Welcome to Reading the Rainbow, brought to you by the Dolphin County Library System. For the book curious looking for their next good LGBTQ plus read, listen in as queer library staff discuss the own voice stories they've been reading. I'm Annika. Any pronouns are okay for me. I'm Jamie. I go by she, her pronouns. Today, we will be discussing The Remarkable Retirement of Edna Fisher by E.M. Anderson. E.M. Anderson, she, they, is a queer neurodivergent writer whose work has appeared in S.J. Whitby's Awakenings, a Cute Mutants anthology, Wild Blood Presses from the Depths, a fantasy anthology, and Dark Horses, the magazine of weird fiction, with more forthcoming from Gut Slut Press. (laughs) 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 Oh, man, I should have noticed that before I started. (laughs) Anyway, um... They have two master's degrees and a feral passion for trees, birds, and Uncle Iroh. When you're a geriatric armed with nothing but gumption and knitting needles, stopping a sorcerer from wiping out an entire dragging, biting organization is a tall order. No one understands why 83-year-old Edna Fisher is the chosen one, destined to save the knights from a dragon-riding sorcerer bent on their destruction. After all, Edna has never handled a magical weapon, faced down a dragon, or cast a spell. And everyone knows the Council of Wizards always chooses a teenager, like the vengeful girl ready to snatch Edna's destiny from under her nose. Still, Edna leaps the chance to leave the nursing home. With her son long dead in the night's service, she's determined to save the dragon fighters like him and to ensure other mothers don't suffer the same loss she did. But as Edna learns about the abuse in the ranks and the sorcerer's history as a knight, she questions if it's really the sorcerer that needs stopping or the knight she's trying to save. Other prominent characters in the story are Benjamin, who's an employee at the nursing home and is the person that Edna is closest to, kind of like an adopted son almost. There's Clementine, who is a teenager, the aforementioned one trying to snatch Edna's destiny from under her nose. She's focused on avenging the death of her sister and is obvious chosen one material. And then we also have Kiernan, who is an Ethiopian elf traveling with Edna's group and who happens to be a secret agent for Redway. And Redway is a sorcerer with a fondness for dragons and a hatred for the knights. Content warnings, loss, grief, unresolved trauma, PTSD, panic attacks, nightmares, physical violence, fire, injury, blood, and death proceed with caution. So I had made the mistake of not reading the content warnings (laughs) that the author very kindly includes on the front of the book before I read it. So for the first three quarters of the book, I was really thinking, oh, this is like an all ages kind of fantasy. It was very much reminding me of the first couple of volumes of Harry Potter. And then the last quarter comes and smacks you and you're like, it just suddenly seems so violent. The funny thing is I read the description in the beginning where she specifically says, even though it sounds like a humorous type of thing, it's not going to be that. And I still was a little surprised just because the first half was so everybody loves each other. And then, oh, my goodness, everybody's dying. Well, not everyone, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think it does a really good job of lulling you into a false sense of security. And like you feel like you said, kind of like it's just about this found family, people caring for each other. And then it's once they've developed that found family that things kind of go sideways. Yeah. And in a way... I mean, it feels kind of realistic in that way. If this were a real adventure, that's how you would feel, right? You start out and you're like, okay, well, this is, I guess this is just going to be what I'm doing. And then as you go along, you're like, 
wait a second, what did I sign up for? <laughs> Which is, yeah, exactly how this goes. Because it's an 83-year-old who's living in a nursing home. She has her routine down. She has like her nemesis on the staff. And she has Benjamin who's in her corner and like it gives her someone to talk to. Poor Edna's just like living her life, even though she's not horribly excited about the way things are going. And poof, out of nowhere, a wizard comes in and says, hey, you're the chosen one because bad things are happening and we need one. And like he does literally poof out of nowhere. But then the people get mad at him and say, you can't just poof into a nursing home, which I thought was super, super funny. <laughs> so they send him away because that's, that's everybody's first reaction. I actually thought that was like fairly realistic. Because if that happens, people are just going to be like, no, you can't be here. Did you sign in? (laughs) Exactly. Security, man. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, he comes in and he's like, well, you can find the sword of destiny, which is also, you know, like in the usual hero's journey, there's a mentor that tells you a certain thing that you have to get, but he's not much of a mentor, just sends her off and says, go get the sword of destiny and never even tells her why. (laughs) Or how to use it. Poor lady is just left to try to figure out everything on her own. And realistically, it takes a while. I really don't know if she ever really figures it out, to tell you the truth. (laughs) They're not going to give her any assistance, but they're telling her what the talisman that she needs to get is and a general idea of where it's located, which is halfway across the country. Yes, I found it kind of funny that I don't think it specifically says where it starts, but it sure feels like Pennsylvania. I think it mentions something about Pittsburgh being one of the nearest cities. So it's in the western part of Pennsylvania is where my understanding is. I gotcha. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was Ohio. Mm. But that makes sense. Yeah. She eventually does get to the city and she finds the person. There's like seven people in the city, though, with the same name. And she has to like identify all of them. And it turns out to be that the sorcerer who told her that she's a chosen one had given this sword to his old boyfriend, took off, never, like, he left to go to the grocery store and never returned home. And so, like, obviously had some unresolved feelings about that. And then he had put this sword that was just a random leftover from an ex-lover into this jumble sale. (laughs) <laughs> and she has to drag down the jumble sale. And that's when she comes across Clementine and Benjamin's already with her. And so it's just, it's kind of realistic too, because it's not as though, even though this is a chosen item, unless it's guarded in the night school or whatever. I just, I really like that because that was a realistic thing. Because exactly. people are going to get rid of like love tokens or stuff from <laughs> old relationships. You can't expect them to hold on to it forever. Mm-hmm. It's just funny that she just happened to show up on the day that he was selling it. Man, things would have gone so different if she would have showed up the next day. They meet Clementine while they're acquiring the Sword of Destiny. And then there's this whole thing of Clementine is trying to take the sword and run out on them. And the carpet she takes isn't like fully powered. She was just kind of your disaster teen kind of character. <laughs> If there's something that you would think, "Mm, probably don't do that. She was like, I think I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it really angrily. Because again, like 
E.M. Anderson is playing with tropes. And so it's like teenagers put in this kind of situation who's also dealing with PTSD and grief and loss of a sister is just trying to accomplish her goal. And ironically, choosing the exact thing that she's not to like make that plausible. Like she wants to be the chosen one so badly that she just decides that that's what she is, even though she's not, which of course causes problems. Yeah, because like, she is kind of fighting with Edna through a large part of the story where she thinks, okay, maybe it's a mistake that Edna was made the chosen one. It really should be her. And so mm. she keeps trying to get the sword from Edna. It keeps trying to direct their quest. As we are talking about one of the fantasy tropes, the idea of a chosen one, the whole impetus of this book was a Twitter post, author Carrie DeRicio. The Twitter post is... It's amazing how many prophecies involve teens. You think they'd pick more emotionally stable people with more free time, like grandmas. Yes. And she sure did do that. She got the emotionally set grandmother character. Although what what was really kind of nice beyond that was that you kind of expected her to be throughout the book, kind of like the in charge, Sophia Petrillo kind of character. But it's far more realistic how she does it, which is that the character does get scared when people would be scared. And it is nice to have a realistic depiction of a human being instead of a stereotype. Yeah, I think the author did a really great job with depictions and making Edna very relatable as far as like the emotions people would have in those kind of circumstances. But they also made it so she had also the benefits of being like a grandmother kind of figure both to Benjamin and also to Clementine where they turned to her she was able to give them reassurance and I think she was very much the glue for that found family yeah certainly especially since she just like adopts everyone who comes along it's just like oh Kiernan's with us now you start off with Benjamin and then you pick up a Clementine and then you pick up a Kiernan and it's just like everyone's welcome here. (laughs) And now that this is like a big spoiler, but then you also end the book that way where you have this very happy set found family all living together in a big house. So as Edna is picking up these different characters, she's building up the cast for the book. And it's incredibly diverse as far as like ethnicities, ages, representations. It's very, very nicely done. So you have Edna, obviously, who's 83 years old. You have Benjamin, who they kind of mentioned being in his late 20s. And you have Clementine, who I think is like 15 or 16. And then you also have Amir, who they pick up, who's the world-renowned carpet enchanter. And you have Kiernan, who joins them originally under false pretenses because he's trying to get close to Clementine, because that's who the outside world believes is a chosen one for their group, because she's the obvious choice. Because stereotypes. So even the supporting characters that get brought in, there's a really gorgeous range of representation. Absolutely. Which in traditional fantasy, you don't really get a whole lot of. Like in traditional medieval kind of fantasy, you've got the teen characters that will then grow up and maybe one older character to be the mentor. But the fact that the ages are so spread out is very unique in fantasy literature. And it shows that there are possibilities there that haven't been plumbed very deeply yet. Also, the idea of race, all of the characters... I think Edna is the only one who is traditional white, 
Benjamin is described as being dark-skinned. I'm not sure if they really specifically came out with what he was. Either way, he's dark-skinned. Were Clementine's relatives Mexican? They were Spanish-speaking. I don't know. If, I was gonna say I don't know if we got more specific than that. But she talks about her abuelita and uh, her older sister, who she was trying to avenge, was Marisol. And you also then have Kiernan, who's an Ethiopian elf, which yeah. is something that would make sense in fantasy because you're going to have elves from various cultures, not Absolutely. just. Let me let me just say how much I love the fact that the elf that was in this book is from Africa and is black. I just love that. The fact that that's so rare is really sad, but I super love that she just went for it and it's beautiful. And besides ages race, there's also the wide depiction of queer characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we really meet or have a completely straight character in the entire cast. Yeah, I know. Maybe Amir. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's true. Maybe. Because Edna describes herself in a way that you would nowadays be able to recognize as maybe demisexual or even asexual. Benjamin is gay. Kiernan is at least bi because he's attracted to Benjamin. And then you have Clementine who shows interest in a female character. So it really is just, I would say, a very large queer cast. Yes. Clementine also says she is ace. Okay. Yeah. I delight in a a cast of entirely queer characters. (laughs) Yet again, something that's not usually seen in fantasy fiction, but definitely belongs there. And then along with all of that diversity, we also have representations of neurodiversity. Yeah, there is a lot of different mental issues in this. Uh, Benjamin in particular has anxiety disorder, which I find very beautiful to have in a book because the way he's depicted, he's scared, but he does it anyway. And that's like something that you don't really think about is that even if you have anxiety disorder, you can still do the things that scare you and it doesn't actually hold you back. And Clementine in particular has PTSD. I mean, she, it's not really a spoiler, but she found her sister dead with a guy standing over her. So that would definitely give you some PTSD. Kiernan has PTSD as well from his experiences, as does even Redway. Although the way you handle your mental issues is definitely a spread in this book. Some of them use it for good and some of them just decide that's just how it is. (laughs) Another thing that's really nice about this as far as neurodiversity, Benjamin has a lot of anxiety too. And they mentioned he has some form of autism. Whenever he's interested in the subject, he'll like pepper people with questions nonstop. When he's done this in the past with other people, they would judge him harshly for it. And so when he realizes that he's asking a bunch of questions about a topic he cares about with his found family, those memories are automatically coming up for him. And he's like trying to rein himself in and apologize But all this found family, they don't get annoyed by it. They welcome it. They recognize that as part of Benjamin. So it's just, it's really, it's sweet and how accepting they are of each other. Yes. I don't know why I didn't think of that one because I super relate to that myself. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I mean, everything about this is like so different from traditional fantasy and it's so delightful. But another thing that I found really cool about it was that it was a, an alternate world, but it was like our current world. So they mentioned Pittsburgh and actual places in the US and California and the land of the dragons, whatever that was called. It was on the borders of the Amazon River. Dominion. It's nice to be able to imagine things happening in your own world that are fantastical too. You don't have to just take it outside of your world, just putting it more within reach if you put it in the, the contemporary world. It makes it easier to bond with, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're not making much sense. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally, it's, like a version of our world where they also have Pegasus, they have flying carpets, they have dragons that are all over. They obviously have elves and other types of fae creatures. So it's familiar in that the pentries are more or less the same, but it has elements of the fantastical woven through it. Yes, that's true. And that's a mantra that I try to fit into my own books, familiar but different. So as Annika keeps saying, this is just a very different take on fantasy. It's actually E.M. Anderson's debut novel. They're already working on more, though. And there are themes they say you can expect from their stories, which are older main characters, elements of found family, grump versus sunshine, I'm fine, but they were not fine, characters who quite literally flee their feelings, magic and out-of-control emotions loss and grief and queer folks which clearly they did super with this time as well (laughs) but yeah the dynamics between each of the characters too is just so interesting because she clementine and benjamin benjamin is like the level-headed one and he's like you're making terrible choices and they clash all the time Uh, whereas poor edna ends up having to be like everyone let's all get along (laughs) they all really do become very fond of each other deep down like benjamin and clementine kind of have like a sibling dynamic going on before too long yeah it's incredibly sweet but funny there's a good mixture part there's humor and then at the end there's also just grief loss and flames yes Although you don't see the dragons as necessarily like the villains at this point. Yeah, the dragons, like, it's a little sad that they don't have personality or anything. They are just creatures in this novel, but oh well, can't have everything. The one touch I remember that was really cute is one of the characters had made a comment like, I thought dragons hoarded gold or jewels. And one dragon hoarded flowers and lush foliage. And I think it was Kiernan who said they're dragons. They hoard whatever they want. Yes. (laughs) Important podcast question. If you were a dragon, what would you hoard? Oh, I feel like almost anybody who works at the library is going to say books. That's true. Mine's bunnies, but then shocked by that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not shocked. (laughs) Although I also have a lot of tea mugs. So I guess... That would be the tea mug dragon. (laughs) That sounds very charming. 
So the traditional space for fantasy always was white male authors, white male characters, main characters. Just the fact that this was written by someone who uses she, they pronouns is huge. And the diversity within it is such a huge step forward in fantasy fiction. And I hope that we continue to grow in that direction and continue to pull in people who used to be marginalized by this kind of story and allow everyone to enjoy fantasy instead of just a select few. Even when I was beginning my journey as a writer back in like 2013, women still had to use their initials. I mean, E.M. Anderson totally chose that on their own, but you had to use your initials to be published as a woman in fantasy because otherwise people wouldn't take you seriously. And I just... Even like, they're just, like you mentioned, so few female science fiction writers that were able to use their names, like Connie Willis, Martha Wells, like some of the big names were able to go ahead and get published. Right with their full name as opposed to like reducing themselves to their first or middle initial. Yeah. Cause I mean, like some of the other authors you can think of, even JK Rowling had mm-hmm. to do that. and like CJ Cherry. I'm glad that even though this author chose to do this, that it's not something that's required anymore to get people to look at your book and take it seriously. And a little aside, the publisher for this book is Hanson House, and they actually specialize in diverse titles, diverse authors. So something to be aware of. On a personal note, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I looked it up immediately because I, I, of course, was impressed with the book. And then I was like, I never heard of this publisher before. And then that's when I got to find out about it. That's funny because that's usually what I do. Like I usually, if I see a book that's like got queer stuff going on it, I'm like, ooh, who published that? And I don't know why I didn't even look. Yeah, so we can look for more from E.M. Anderson published with Hanson House in the future. So good books in store. Yay. That wraps up our discussion of The Remarkable Retirement of Edna Fisher by E.M. Anderson, and we'll see you next time when we discuss The Luis Ortega Survival Club by Sonora Reyes. This has been Reading the Rainbow, a Dolphin County Library System podcast for books by and about the LGBTQ community. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us for new book discussions. If we've piqued your interest in this episode's selection, consider it borrowing from your local library. Thanks for listening.